How do you put creativity on a pedestal? Yeah. Continue to learn and grow every day. And we're all curious humans. And when we learn something new, it's like, that's cool. And we get so excited by new knowledge. And that can be experiences as much as it can be information or knowledge that's shared by others. That's Dalton Henshaw. Dalton is the founder of Bullfrog, one of Australia's fastest growing independent creative agencies, which, as they've just hit three years old, has seen the team rise from five in 2020 to 40 plus in 2023, and their work is achieving global recognition. Dalton has his head screwed on, and as Bullfrog goes from strength to strength, you can hear how he handles himself. He is world class, and it shows. He has a cardboard sign in his space that I love that says Bullfrog on it the same way that Jeff Bezos of Amazon had Amazon. It's going to be huge and I feel kind of lucky that he had time to chat to me. But then again, we did really drive home in this chat that this whole world is about relationship building. So maybe I should see it just as some quality time spent with my industry peers. Recent work that you might have seen from Bullfrog is flipping the conversation on health and well-being from All or Nothing to All or Something by homegrown superstars Ash Barty and Stephanie Gilmore, or you might have seen their Guinness World Record work, the mohair suit. Yes, they made a suit from moustache hair for Movember. I hope that you love this chat. It's a really good one. So let's dive in. Welcome to Process the Podcast. My name is Arielle Thomas. I'm your host, motion director, social strategist, and founder of production company Cinematon. I can't wait to bring you into the world of some of my guests, Australia's most prolific creatives working across fashion, design, in Dalton's case, advertising and creative agency land, as we dive into their unique creative process. I also want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land which this podcast was recorded on, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, paying my respects to elders past and present. Dalton, Dalton, Dalton. Are we recording? Yeah, we are. Oh, wow. Straight in. <laughs> three, if you say my name three times, that's, wow, that's a lot. Dalton, Dalton, Dalton. Well, so we've cool. only actually met like four times. We have. Which is bizarre. But I feel like a fantastic note to start this on is, you literally just asked me how my family was. Mm-hmm. You have this, I think it was the second time that I'd met you and we were sitting here. You guys had like a really fun cruise that you work with kind of drinks. And it was firstly so fun because people only do that at Christmas time. It was amazing that you just threw it out there. That was super fun. And mm-hmm. I networked my heart out. Of course. <laughs> and... You just sat with me for like a good, I fit what felt like 20 minutes and I didn't even have to tell you that much, but you just got it. And it literally, I'm not going to get upset, but you just have this thing and I don't know what it is about you, but it's like, oh God. And it's like straight to the heart. Oh God, in a bad way? No, oh God, as in like, don't see me now because I'm recording a podcast and I can't be fucked. Do you know what I mean? But oh God, in like the most beautiful way, you're like, yeah, I have that effect on people. <laughs> You sure you don't want me to see you right now? No. Um, you just have this, like, it's beyond TLC because, like, the foundation was in the, the I guess, relationship that you and I have never even really called for it. Mm. But I think me as a person needed it and you saw it and delivered. Well, well, you haven't <laughs> given me that feedback, so that's nice <laughs> to know. And incredibly humbling. But I, I, I think it... I think in the aspects of the world that we collide in, like we're both storytellers. Yes. And I love stories, but I love personal stories because I think where they come from 
at the end of the day is driven by people and everyone's story is different. Yeah. And I think I make it a distinct effort to know the story better than what the surface layer presents. Mm. And that's the one thing that I'm fascinated because I'm an ultimately curious person Mm. uh, in every aspect of my life, uh, whether that's trying to better myself and grow and learn or just simply like having a conversation, you can learn so much. Very rare for a CEO, founder, everyone was kind of wowed by the space because it was sort of an unveiling, if you will, because people had worked with Bullfrog but hadn't necessarily been in the space yet because we see you guys on set. We don't necessarily see you in the office. And I'm really on set. It's not as much as I used to be, in fairness. But you just took the time and it was a marvel and honestly something that I will never forget. But people, thank you, but, like, people are fascinating. It's a gift to talk to people and have conversations and converse, and they're also different. Can you just be like, cheers, shut up. Thank you. Cheers. So where did your love for storytelling come from? Because it's pretty intense, the way that it's translated. (laughs) I actually got asked this question last night by one of our largest partners that we work with, Um, and he asked me the question of, like, who the fuck am I? Wow. And in short, I've, through time of self-reflection as much as just growing up, I guess, I've distinctly characterised myself recently, but it feels really true to my career journey or life journey to date as a storyteller and a business builder. And the storytelling part, as I've sort of mentioned, is as much as the common ground as we play roles and what that is um, day in, day out that talks and communicates to people and hopefully makes them feel something. But the storytelling part comes from a place of deep reflection, but also um, for me, really funny story of how I connected back to my childhood as much as anything. My mum used to say I was a brilliant liar, mm. a brilliant liar, and I wasn't. I would quite <laughs> the definitely characterise that. I'm like, oof, okay, because <laughs> you say that, and people are like, shit, can you trust this person? <laughs> But upon reflection, lying gets you absolutely nowhere. Yeah. But upon reflection, why was I lying? And at the root of the why is the thing that I've done a lot of work on back then and definitely learned in my later years not to do that and not now, not 10 years, <laughs> but my teenage years because I was afraid of the person that I actually was. Yeah. And I thought to receive love and appreciation, I had to tell white lies to fabricate a story to make it sound better. And most of the time it was rooted on my own perceived successes or lack of success. Mm. So it's a really funny thing when you talk to, and in this room was one of the largest clients that we work with and Did partners. you tell him that you were a Yeah, I'm a liar. <laughs> For this exact same reason. For this exact same reason. What did he say? And did you give him that context of yeah. like when I was a kid, obviously I don't do it now. Correct. I'm not lying to you now. <laughs> but ultimately it makes sense in my story of being a storyteller. Yeah. Because I always liked the feeling of what the emotion was at that point of making people feel connected to some sort of story or connected to me of what I thought was the wall that I used to put up for most of my teenage years. Mm. I very much learned pretty quickly through burning myself out at an early age of 21 that those walls came crashing down at that point because of how much I was suppressing and how much I wasn't saying anything damaging. It was not lies in context of what people jumped to as a conclusion. Mm. It was fabricating my story because I had so much pain that was hiding away quite deep down that I had to make it sound a little bit better. Yeah, right. And that's, um, wow, we've just really just jumped into <laughs> shit, uh, deep territory. But I think you and I can do that, which is why I was so excited <clears throat> to chat to you because I'm not sure what the fuck happened. <laughs> well, 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, here we are. Um, and I guess it's topical because last night I was telling the same story to someone that probably you would not say that to in a prof- professional environment. Yeah. Um, you know, th- that person is one of the most powerful global CMOs in the world. And the reality is you have to come from a place of authenticity. Mm. And I've done the work and unfortunately probably in parts had to do some more work earlier in my life, but I wouldn't be the person I am and sitting in right now having this conversation mm. if that those things had not happened. And through self-reflection, and this is only recently still working through that, I'm like, how do I piece this story of what I do now beyond just the last 10 years of my professional career from the age of 19 to now 29? But why does it resonate so strongly and why do I care so much about what we do? Mm. And authentically it comes from growing up in a a family of business and family-run businesses Mm. along with that came with emotionally inept involvement through some of my relationships with my parents and that's upon reflection and that's still great friends with my parents, broken family, but all the above my biggest thing was coming back to the fact of I felt like I had to hide to people that weren't in my little box, which there wasn't many. It was largely me. I trusted no one um, to make it feel like it was all okay and I was all okay. Mm. So it's not lying in the point of being deceitful. It's lying in the point of hiding the person I really am. And I've what I've found over many discussions, not ones that are recorded, <laughs> um, it's quite common. Mm. Yeah, White lies are quite common because we're really afraid of the person that sits behind that. Mm. And that's really not all of it has to be saddening. Mm. But I think it's a bit of a sign of where society's got to flip and switch. And I think in the last few years people have really slipped a, flipped a switch because they've really had to through not only lockdowns, things that we can't control ourselves, but equally still I hope this world can become a more open, honest, transparent and vulnerable place for every person because not all of us are going to feel comfortable to have a conversation right now about that. Mm. But the journey of sharing is a really powerful one because it allows you from my own personal lived experience to really own who you are as a person. Yeah. And I guess that's the the short, long version of <laughs> why I take a real vested interest to your first point was people are fascinating and I'm not doing it to unearth pain or happiness or for any reason outside of just learning more about people. Yeah. Because I've learned a lot about myself and I'm learning every day about myself and I'm not going to get it perfect. How are you learning about yourself? For me, like I'm very um, routine and and, and quite disciplined in the parts of how I set myself up for success day in, day out. Mm. Um, When I fall out of my routine, I'm not the person that I like to be mm. and there's nothing wrong with that person and you, every person falls off the bandwagon, life comes in and it sweeps you and kicks you and then you move back on and then you know what that good person, or not that good person, that feeling feels like for all people of when I'm feeling good in my own skin. But that takes work. That doesn't just happen overnight. Yeah. For me, day-to-day what helps my brain work is really clear tactical tasks that help me set my day up for success. Mm. You read so many times and some people might have heard this before, but waking up each day to me is an absolute gift and an opportunity to learn and grow as a person in relationships, in work, in um, every facet of what life brings at you. But for me, like I start with one really simple thing of the task of making my own bed, Mm. knowing that's one thing I did well that day. And having that reflection at the end of the day of what are the three key things and I write them down before bed, 
and say, what are the things I've done well today and what have I ticked off? And what are the things that maybe I didn't get right? So I put them to bed when I go to bed and then reflect that next morning on what those things are. And that some people would say that's gratitude journals. There's all these things out and tools available to all of us. But for me, it's quite tactical and routine because that for me is always comes back to life is all encompassing. And for me, all the things that I tick off are things that I probably do every day. And if I don't tick those things off, nine times out of 10, I'm even not going to feel my best from a health and wellbeing perspective Mm. because it's a big part of my life, but I'm not going to be the best person I am to come to this conversation with 100% energy and intent and be able to actually give my all regardless of what is happening in life if I haven't ticked those things. And so some people will say, but can you tick them all every day? No, you can't because life will step in. You still have to have that level of acceptance that shit will go wrong. Yeah. And I'm not saying it. no day is perfect mm. because life takes takes force and some things you can't control. All I control, can control is coming back to reflect and keep some form of routine of why did that happen, how did that fall off, mm. and constantly reflecting and learning to take into tomorrow is really exciting as much as the things that I learned new things that day and what did I learn, whether it's about myself or a specific piece of knowledge that I learned from a conversation or a colleague or it doesn't matter what it is. Mm. To me, that is really like fulfilling and it's really small things. It's not big things. Yeah, they're not like profound. No, it's not like <laughs> I got a promotion today or yeah. I did this today or we did this incredible campaign today. Like I don't even – we celebrate those things, but I think in life we get it so wrong and mis- like and mistaken of we need to wait for the big milestones. Mm. But look at the beauty in all the moments that come between that. Yeah. And that's what I, I – I fill my cup daily looking at all those little moments that fill my cup up and hopefully fill the teams up that I work with as much as the pe- people and partners I work with too is looking at all those little magic moments that lead to the big thing. Mm. And it doesn't all have to be big things. I've always wondered, and you may be able to shed light on this, <laughs> as a leader and somebody that's in a relationship with Laura and you have said quite publicly and continue to that it's really important for you to show up for her and you guys have your own routines and incredibly busy lives, but then you guys have dinner together yes. and then that's your time. Yep. What do you actually do in the reflection time when you've got dogs, you've got chores, you've got this, there's emails that you're sending super late in the morning, you're up, da, da, da. Like what is the actual routine of your reflection? Are you being like closing the door, Laura, I'm just reflecting for 10 minutes. Like what do you, you know, like what is it? Like silence? (laughs) (laughs) Is it in the car that's your time? Like what is it where it's, where does the, you know? No, so- one thing I try to do each day, and I don't get this perfect and the time varies, is five, like try to find five to ten minutes just me by myself. Mm. That could be me walking to go get a coffee in the morning mm. or it could be me taking the boys for a walk or it could be me just doing some stretching by myself in the bedroom. Mm. Like, and, and, and like not all of those things need to be active movements. Like it could just be me having a coffee in the morning and watching the sun go up. But just doing it by myself, and <laughs> without Laura being like, Don't I had a lot of emphasis on <laughs> myself. Um, but we both practice those habits, which yeah. makes it a lot easier. And sometimes it's really tough because it's always like it might not be the time that I want to do it, but I know each day like that's another thing I ticked. Have I done it? Mm. Now I might not get ten minutes. Five minutes is just as good as much as 
that's what works for me and not what, what works for me won't work for everyone else. But for both of us, we want to find our own time. And sometimes it's like an argument because we're, I just want to spend time with you. No, but I need to go do this for me. It was like, well, but I want this. Mm-hmm. And every relationship, work or life or yeah. your partner comes with compromise and little parts of sacrifice. Yeah. Because there's a reason they're in your life. And the bigger picture is that small moment won't change the way that the relationship sets its tone. It's the understanding and the comp- like compromise that comes with that to know that, yeah, we'll catch it up. And that's over-communicating that. But it's also one that I practice with team as well is protecting space mm. and protecting space to think, yeah, to think about you, the role you play in a team. A team can be a husband and wife. A team can be a workplace. Mm. It doesn't matter. A team can be just a one-man band too. And that's completely okay. Whether that stays like that or doesn't, it doesn't matter. Everyone can genuinely find five minutes in their day just to be by themselves. Mm. How old is Bullfrog now? We're just in our third year now. So we've had a fast and furious two years. Yes, definitely. When you ended A Tailored Man Mm. and you Mm. came across to Bullfrog, what was that transition like and how – Give us a little elevator pitch on what A Tailored Man was for anybody that doesn't know that. So The the Tailored Man was one of the most – started back at the end of 2011, early 2012. Mm -hmm. Instagram launched in October 2011. Um, Wow. And it was the filter app. Um, (laughs) But back then blogs were the thing. Yes. So I started a men's lifestyle blog at that current point, which which future now, um, looking back and what it evolved to, was one of the leading online men's lifestyle publications – that was probably one of the first in market to have an omni-channel or digital-first approach to how we communicate to men between age 25 to 35. Mm-hmm. It was competing with incredible titles like the GQs, the men's health of the world that were leading titles for men to get resource and information around how to live life. Mm-hmm. My biggest thing was making sure that it was really approachable and attainable and realistic and because I think sometimes there was in life everywhere, especially in the world that we live in now, there is um, false truths on what life should look like because the reality is of what we see on social media and everything else is the 1%. Mm. Um, as much as what I do, I get judged on the 1%. Mm-hmm. Um, not all those little moments that come before that. And I think for me, the tailored man has afforded me the opportunities of being an early adopter and a first in market per se, um, to have credibility and somewhat knowing how to grow a business in a, a new with all these new tools at our disposal. Uh, and making sure it made sense to that audience that I was talking to. And that, I, yeah, it was an incredible journey of, you know, six or so years of travelling the world, working with some of the biggest brands in the world, meeting some, some of the most incredible people, um, but largely ultimately led to winding that down at the end of 2019 for chasing what I realised through reflection and that period, bearing in mind burnout, burnout came in early in that period as well. Um what I started to learn is like I wanted to be at the start of the business problem versus at the end of the problem as an advertiser. Yeah, right. And knowing that storytelling and creativity can actually solve tangible business problems if done well, if not if done at a world-class level. The role and the function of being an advertising platform, uh, you're at the end of that and I wanted to be at the start of it, only being a curious human as I mentioned up front. Mm-hmm. But equally there was a constant disconnect of what creativity can do to solve business problems. What was the choice to actually close a tailored man versus I'm still going to do it, like if mm. something comes into my emails or whatever, and then starting Bullfrog and like 
you know what I mean? It seems like a full stop and a real ending and then a real starting. Was it actually like that or was it just like LinkedIn founded then, LinkedIn founded then? <laughs> no, it was that's, – that's yeah, that's a, that's a great line. I like that one. Um, I really started to lose passion in the last year of business for that business because I started to realise my passion lied at that start of that problem and I was actively doing that from a consulting perspective as much as not necessarily just an advertising perspective. But then once again, I started through reflection, started to see myself filling up my plate way too much Mm -hmm. and starting to do bits of everything that was passion-led. I still loved what The Taylor Man was for sure and it could have still been to this day a very successful business. However, I really do think as a founder-led business, you have to believe in what you're putting out there. Yeah. And all that works for me especially is I have to authentically believe in what this is and that passion needs to evoke fire, energy, excitement and opportunity for the team that you bring on that journey as well. Mm. And I take that very personally. And I think for me, I just was, my heart was not in it anymore. And so some people would say, why didn't you sell it? Or why didn't you do this? Mm. It's like some part of me always thinks it might come back to life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but ultimately I made it really clear is like my plate was filling up way too much. And at the end of the day, I wasn't giving a hundred percent to any of it. Yeah. The reality is we're making so many decisions each day and it is up to me if I fill my plate up too much that I'm not actually offering any value. Mm. And that comes through my learnings over the my whole life as much as what fuels my day-to-day interactions today with my team, mm. partners, my wife, my two golden retrievers to make sure I'm a fully present in that mm. moment. You are very present. You Thank always you. have been. I think you're doing a great job. I'm not always though. Mm. I'm really not. I... As I said, I went away last week to recharge and I said I would work half days and then I realised I was doing the exact problem again. I'd work half days and be available for calls. All of a sudden I was, instead of a two-hour window, I was doing a six-hour window. Mm. And once again, I didn't protect space properly, mm. which then led to an argument with my wife. We came away on a holiday. What are you doing? Yeah. You're not even taking your own advice. <laughs> Period. <laughs> but it's, yes. it's a perfect example of like, I say these things, but I'm still going to get it wrong because we're all human at the end of the day. Yes, totally. But like, that is not me being present and spending time, protected time with the person that ultimately I would do anything or anything for in my life. Yeah. And I'm letting her down because I'm not even following the things that I actually truly believe in. Mm. And so it's a prime example of saying I'm not going to get it perfect, even in a short week that it was. Even just two days of half days, I had to say back to my team, which they're more than capable to keep everything all moving and they're bloody great at what they do to be like, you know, I have to be out on Thursday or Friday. I might not have a wife by the time (laughs) I come back. But I had to make that distinct choice. It's not helpful and I'm actually not in it enough to be helpful. You have quite the head count. That's terrifying for nor, I'll say, uh, the common creative would look at your payroll and pee their pants. (laughs) Like was there a moment there where you were like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, this is wild, going from a team of five. And your team of five, if I'm correct, were your friends pretty much because they worked in, like, I mean, Chris and you have been working together since long time, forever. And then your beautiful photographer's name that I've forgotten the name of starts with an M, Marty. He has been with you forever. Mm. Like, you've brought these guys along for the ride and now you've grown this incredible business. Mm. Do you have like a weapon of a CFO being like, you got this bro, like what's, how do you, where's the confidence come from? And you've got this amazing space and three years, fuck mate. (laughs) 
it's um and you're so cool calm collected my CFO <laughs> would like me right now but um <laughs> no in in short I, I I was lucky to learn from a really good age that you know surround yourself with the people that you want to learn and grow from yeah and I was lucky to have people come through my life to help at certain key points that gave me a lot of great life lessons and some I didn't ask for and some I needed to hear but really quickly it came back to the fact that you know some of those people Marty who is my best mate, but he doesn't actively work in the business anymore. Mm. Um, he is a photographer. Um, he used to be a creative director and he's an architect and he's all the above. Mm. And he was a huge part of the Taylor Man journey being successful, a massive part. Um, we started the bullfrog business together and he's no longer in the business and we're still best mates, mm-hmm. which is one of the most special stories of my life. But then I've also had people like Chris, as you mentioned, who have been there through all the transition mm. over the last four or five years both from the tailored man to now being a huge contributor to this business. And we've grown and people have come on, you know, into roles in leadership above him. And that's Mm. really tough for a person to see and have. But the one way to do it as much as what I always practice each day is being honest and transparent at every interaction with a team member, Mm. treating them beyond just the surface layer of who they are and getting to know who they are and how, how they work and how they are motivated as much as what motivates me and them knowing that too. And challenging me consistently always is the thing that I ask for from everyone in this team. So yes, the team grows, but it grows for a reason of actually knowing at the core of it is people. Mm. And when we invest beyond just the surface layer as a team and as an environment as leaders, ultimately that's been a huge part of our success to date. Mm. Along with, yes, people being exceptionally gifted at what they do. But recognising that talent, for me, I look for attitude and ambition first. Mm. The skills that come with that or the experience off the back of that, that is fine. We can be brilliant. But why do you want to be a part of this team? Mm. What are you going to bring to this team? And not in context of I'm going to do great creative work or I'm going to you know, work, get this partner in and we're going to do X, Y, and Z and it'll generate X amount of money. Who cares about that? The performance of growth has come from a place that we are in the human business mm. and humans are incredibly brilliant and we're all individually different as we are brilliant. And I think making sure people know that and see that as leaders is a big driver for success, I truly believe, in business, no matter what business it is. Mm. Because then people feel valued and they feel heard. I still, every quarter, have one-on-ones with every team member mm, just wild. to give them the space, along with one-on-ones with the leadership team, one-on-ones with the team leads, like all these things, along with partner communications and all those they don't need more meetings in their diary. But just going to have a 20-minute coffee to check in on life mm. allows us to keep grounded in the fact that this business will always care and the leaders that have come into this business continually drive that same ethos because we are all people at the end of the day. And our from our policies to our vision to our strategy, everything comes back to people. And a big part of that is succession planning mm. and succession planning for life success for this team. And that is what we're building here. That is why if I'm the CEO in three years, I've done something wrong because there should be people that should be pushing me out. That is what success is to me, is that people, we can create an environment that people succeed and grow how they want to grow. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean people stepping into leadership positions. Value should not be just given by a title. Value is as much as the core things that you do each day for a team, for the people that are in the team, as much as the partners that we work with too. It needs to be more than just nothing is just transactional in life. There are so many things as we've spoken about already in this conversation. So if it's just going to be transactional and people are just names on a page, yep, 
you balance, as I said, a good CFO and having the right people <laughs> around you is incredible. But there's ups and downs always. I've just been exceptionally lucky this last, what has been a 10-year journey to get to this last two years to now coming into our third year of perceived success mm. has been rooted out of the things of just getting to know people and their skills that follow that will only just thrive if they've got the right attitude and ambition for their life. Mm. But that can change at any point. And the biggest thing that we want at Bullfrog, we don't want careers to stop here. Yeah. And that's a big part of the vision of where we're going as a business, as much as the day-to-day. Because not everyone is right to be a leader. Not everyone wants to manage people. Mm. Sometimes, especially in the creative industry, I just want to do bloody cool shit. Mm. And I just want to do that work and I want to do that thinking. I don't want to worry about managing all that. You, You guys got that. No worries. I can't do that. I just want to play my role for that team. Yeah. And that shouldn't be something that has a ceiling on in context of life success and planning and growth because I think common, so common across all businesses that, oh, if you don't hold that title, well, no, you're not, you don't deserve more money or a big salary or promotion. Promotion can come with just the value of you, like intertwining in the things that we align on as a business from an objective perspective. And they are not all financially driven. Mm-hmm. They're definitely not. There is soft like soft skills that are woven into our business objectives mm. and how are you delivering on those? How are you driving a team that actually goes beyond the surface layer with our people and our partners? Do you think that that's just kind of naturally resulting in a really healthy p Well, I think it all goes hand in hand because at yeah. the core of what, everything we're doing right now is it's relationship building. Mm. If we build strong relationships, you have trust and you have respect. Mm. Trust and respect is a core driver in our personal lives as it is in our careers. doesn't matter who we've. And if you're investing deeper than just what people think is transactional or rocking up to this tick, tick a box and do a nine yeah. to five, yes, it might be saying, well, that, that is great. That is going to result in a healthy P&L because everyone's buying into that. I'm like, well, yes, that's why we have a four-step hiring process. Yeah. We don't just hire based on what the paper says. We hire on what the person says. Yeah. And how they rock up. Knowing that shit, interviews are scary. But by the fourth time, they pretty much know everyone in the building yeah. from meeting with our cultural committee meeting with our incredible head of people, meeting with the team lead that will be responsible for making sure they get to push them out. And when Mm. you start with a meeting and your boss who's going to be managing you comes in and says, I need you to take my job pretty soon. Yeah, It's it's a pretty powerful place to look at. (laughs) And it's like, what do you mean? It's like, you don't have to do it next week. Probably not next week. (laughs) But when you start that conversation is we're going to drive you to make sure and support you that you just grow in life first. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you have to be doing my job either because that's the most exciting thing about where we're going, which will become more um, seen and public knowledge soon this year. But it's also one of those things that has been from the get-go in the vision of how we do that and flip what is a traditional service model business on its head. Mm, okay. I want to ask more about that. Which but will I annoy like the p and <laughs> <laughs> Well, I feel like you've just given me a little, a little hint, but it'll come more information will come out later in the year? It's not far away. And a lot of that comes back to the partners that we've just appointed as well. And as a a sole founder and owner of this business, I now have three incredible business partners that are coming in to join me on that quest. Far more experienced in the industry that I currently operate in, but equally share a same vision. And that is such a powerful place to be in, in context of leadership and owning your strengths. They all bring totally different things. Um, One is one of the best creatives, known as one of the best creatives in the world. The other is known as one of the most best business and strategic thinkers in the world. And the other person is one of the most human-centric, fierce female leaders that I've ever met, Mm. who is our managing director, Matilda Hobber. 
And having those three alongside me to operationalize this vision and this dream and the things that we've spoken about today has been a human-centric focused business. Mm. But in no way are we suffering on just being okay. We want to be a world-class business. And in a short period of time, you have to do great work. If you don't do great work, mm-hmm. you're not probably <laughs> going to get anything through the door. Yeah. So it has to go hand in hand. But it comes from a belief of people because they're the, also the ones that are coming up with the work, the ideas, and delivering on that at every stage of the process. Bullfrog has a little thing called a zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. And you guys do things that I know about because Anna introduced me <laughs> to them when I was doing things in Kick. Yep. And... There was little things like meetings with post-it notes and everybody goes around and there's kind of like a pitch and Mm. not a pitch, a brief, and then it's kind of all talked about. Everybody spends like two minutes on a time or however long writing things down and then you go around the circle and then the things that stick kind of get sticky and then get taken away and worked on to come up with something that everybody is a part of from the ground floor. What are other things that Bullfrog does that you think are super unique that are your secret sauce that you're willing to share? That, that is a fun process and, and there's probably one point in that I'll pick it up but I won't dwell on it too long. But, you know, we, if we talk about being a world-class independent creative business, creativity shouldn't be exclusive. Mm. Time and time again it's just like that's the creatives they'll go do their thinking. Yes. That zeitgeist process is a company-wide process. All disciplines, all teams, all capabilities. It's not just everyone has ideas. Everyone has business ideas in the world. Look at mm. the world that we live in. Some are successful, some are right, some are not. That's the reality of what we do every day. Some will be the right idea, some won't. Mm. Some our partners will like, some won't. Someone will come up with an incredible business idea and it won't just be from a creative team. Mm. This industry is traditionally and still is today so siloed of where that thinking and where that magic comes from. And for us, we've broken all those silos and continually iterating at those silos of how you build creativity mm. and put that on a pedestal always because creativity can solve business problems. But for us with all the people, things, because you've spoken about so many of those, but probably the other thing that I'm uber proud of as much as a secret source that upholds some of those things is actually each year we hold an alumni drinks of past, present, maybe even future frogs that are joining this team. Mm. And it's one of the most special moments. You know, we've had two now so far in our short tenure Mm. and there's people that are no longer with us for a myriad of reasons that literally walk back the door to connect with the team. Mm, So nice. And that is probably one of the most powerful examples for me of, we're getting some parts right mm. because people want to come back and just hang out and that's what fills my cup up. Mm. But it's proven that culture and people drive those opportunities and that's where things like the alumni drinks is one of my fondest days because I get to see incredible people that have had an impact on my journey and mm. this whole team's really short journey um, to get us to where we are today. How are you promoting creativity <laughs> in, your, in the pond? Another little example Every Thursday morning, we have a team member present something that inspires them. So good. It could, could be anything. Yeah. This morning, we had our uh, head of content, who's an absolute weapon, uh, pretty much say to us, virality is dead, but then it's not. Okay. And <laughs> talked about, <laughs> I don't know, see, I don't even know half the things like that is the world of social that I used to be a credible expert in. Yeah. I now get to see it and interact with it more, but the, the thing of how these subcultures of people think now Mm. we're so segmented more than some brands even know that we can activate daily Mm. and interact in new ways that technology has allowed us to never interact with people before. Mm. And if we get that right and pick those layers apart, it's so powerful to charge creativity to a point for brands and businesses that can have genuine impact to the people they need to talk to or want to talk to. Mm. 
And that was a perfect example of like, wow, I feel like a really like out of the loop guy because I've missed this whole thing. (laughs) But there's no such thing as this one all-encompassing viral moment because people want so many different things now. And people are listening to podcasts. They're listening to Discord channels and typing and Reddits and all the above. There's so many things that people are fueling in the world of being curious humans and wanting to educate and learn yeah, more. Yeah, the stimulus Or to add opinions. All the above. Wild. Wild stuff. But that's where there's nothing that's just like that TV ad is v- going viral. Like that doesn't really exist. Yeah. Um, it's like viral to who? Someone in your to demographic? Who? To who? Is yeah. it actually speaking to that person? And that's part of our job to make sure it does speak to those yeah. people and it does land. But it's also one of those things is that I learned this morning through what we call this what's in my brain. Um, <laughs> Simple. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we've had everything from um, a fungi lesson around magic mushrooms and what that is as much as, like I said this morning, you know, pulling apart what the hell does the internet actually mean these days yeah. and it's, is it even called the internet? <laughs> I feel like those are really powerful. The guy that I'm currently seeing, he would love you and I feel like you would adore him. He's great. He, well, um, Vino's on the card. <laughs> we'll catch up. Um, he, he presented one um, a couple of weeks ago and watching him prepare mm. for this was so fun. But he presented it here. No, no, no. He oh, did Jesus. it in his own. I was like, hang on, no. wait, what have I missed here? <laughs> He's one of your team. No, I'm kidding. Oh, well. um, no, you don't know him. He, um, watching him present and practice mm. to present, he did it on neuroplasticity and he was so excited and it was such a joy to be mm. in his life and yeah. watch him. He designed his cue cards on InDesign. Like it was wild how passionate he was about the opportunity to share, share what knowledge. he was. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's so oh. underrated. It's so the good. best. But that's like to the point of your question, like how do you put creativity on a pedestal? Yeah. You continue to learn and grow every day. Mm. And we're all curious humans and when we learn something new, it's like that's cool. Mm. And we get so excited by new knowledge. Yeah. And that can be experiences as much as it can be information or knowledge that's shared by others. The three partners that you just brought on, mm. was that scary, sharing your pie? Yeah. Have you given them equity? Yeah. Can you say how much? No. Okay. Are you still the main shareholder? Yes. Are you happy with, with the decision what? that you reached? 100%. But time will tell. <laughs> no. <laughs> See you I, next year for another chat. I'm happy because as a business, like we talk about where we're going to, I'm to my my most proudest thing of what this business will be is not just a flash in the pan and something yeah. that actually lives and breathes and breeds creativity in a way that has been different to so many ways this op- like industry has operated, advertising industry. Mm. But we will not sit in that industry. We'll just be a creative business sitting in yeah. our own little world. Yeah. And for me, success when I talk about being pushed out in three years is that succession planning piece. Like that strategy has to exist and these partners see it too. And that's also coming into a company-wide share plan that is making sure that people have life success at Bullfrog as much as the businesses that we build ourselves. And one day people might be the CEO of Bullfrog and the next they might be the CEO of some business that we've built. I want to ask about you specifically on the tools Mm -hmm. because from my personal experience with you, you're the manager of people Mm -hmm. and the forecaster of all the things and the figuring the journey of Bullfrog out and you have sung that song obviously very well. And then you've got all these people on the tools for creativity solving business problems, as you've said. I assume you're in the zeitgeists, but where does your role actually come into with 
Dalton's creativity and you actually being accountable for slide decks and ideas and mood boarding and tweaking uh, uh, less about you walking in last minute and looking at a mm. near final cut. Yeah. Are you on the tools or is that the plan to get you on the tools-ish now that you've kind of grown the business and done your dash? <laughs> um, no, no, I'm going to retire. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> no, rubbish. I think sometimes I know the team way too much and maybe I'm too on the tools or too in the weeds, some, okay. some would say. Um, but it comes back to that point of trust. I know my strengths and I know where I apply them the best. Mm-hmm. And for me, I used to be all on the tools, everything from sitting on shoots, holding cameras, doing those things, taking photos, I dare say, to producing, running call sheets. I've done all of the jobs. Yeah. Um, I do all of the jobs still now, just not to the same degree. Mm. Um, Is that the best time where I should spend my time? Mm. Not anymore. But if I had to spend it, I'd do it exactly the same. The same reason I'll order, order catering for the team or make sure people are working just past what is our normal business hours that they've got food on the table that they're making sure they're they're fueled and they're eating and doing all those bits and bobs. But my my biggest thing now is like my job and it was a big decision in my journey is like what active role do I want to play in this business? Mm. I'm not a big one for titles, but they play a role in the structure and the chain of command as much as who's responsible and whose head's on the line. Now, as a founder-led business, it's really always on your head. (laughs) Unless you have business partners that are shared partners or shared equity partners, you know, equally it's that, but even still, normally those two individuals, three, four, whoever, however many, have different strengths that they bring to the fore and naturally there's probably a stream or a title or a job role that fits those strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it's just okay to be a founder. In three years' time, I would hope just to be the founder. Um, I love creativity. I come in at the start and when it comes back to creativity that has business impact, a lot of my things I – dig into share prices, I dig into businesses. I love that stuff. I love the nitty-gritty of business. Yeah. And a lot of the time I come at the start of it is like and ask the question at the start is how is this solving that business problem? We don't have that much more time, <laughs> but I have so many more questions oh, for you. No. How do you feel about AI? Um, I think it's just a natural progression of technology at the end of the day and it's, it's going to be with us whether we like it or not. Um. I think over time you can see robotics, AI, technology has changed the way that we communicate with the world as much as what we've already spoken about today. Mm. Um, I think original thinking in the process of what you do, that is the thing that people need to understand and pay for when it comes to creativity. Yes, um, I agree. Machines will be just as smart, but I think original thinking is comes from lived and life experiences. What? makes you be silly because every fucking time I see you, you're so put together and like. Really? Yeah. Shit, you should ask the team today. <laughs> really? <laughs> nah, I, like I I have, like it's an absolute bloody privilege what I do, but I have a lot of fun. Like I have a lot of fun So you with this are team. silly. I'm bloody silly. I'm, I don't know, dorky, silly. <laughs> like a lot of the team call me like grandpa, like oh. so like. You know, and that's got many of connotations because, like, I don't even know about some viral succession thing that happened last week that now yeah, I just okay. probably look like a deal and probably so many people will know that. But, you know, I have a lot of fun because I think life, you need to have fun in the moments all the time. And I'm not like, yeah, I think I can be very silly. I come up with silly catchphrases. I get catchphrases <laughs> wrong. Okay. Um, I get puns wrong, like, and I do it deliberately. It's just like dad joke vibe. Yeah, yeah, really bad dad joke. <laughs> is probably, that's probably where grandpa comes into it too. Yes. But no, I, like I have a little bit of fun and my brain works in really fast and crazy ways too. And 
I think I take a lot of inspiration out of the small things as we discussed today. And sometimes I share them and people are like, where the fuck did you just get that from? Um, but it's like, it's, it's thinking about those things and how it relates back to the story. And I think, yeah, silly would be a big part of that. Laura would say the exact same thing. I'm, I'm an absolute dill sometimes, but, um, you know, for me, you have to let your head down because yeah. you can't always be calm and collected. And I am very calm most of the time. Like I don't get stressed over many things. Yeah. My things I get stressed about is my family and dare say my wife, um, you know, whether it's her not bringing her EpiPen to a bloody restaurant, that really stresses oh, me out and she? I'm not so calm and collected when she's got a nut <laughs> allergy. But, um, you I know, didn't know she had a nut allergy. it's those things because for me, like that is the world that I want to fight for day in, day out as much as protect. And yeah. And I say that to the whole team, hence the whole life success piece is protect time for your family, protect time to be a partner, a brother, a sister, a mother, a father. And silliness. And have a bit of silliness and fun. Yeah. Just have some fun. Because life can be fun, but sometimes it's way too fucking serious. It is. And sometimes <laughs> we just don't want to have a laugh. And you know what? In fairness, like the last few years, there's been a lot of not fun. And That's, I was talking to Chelsea control. from Adore Beauty this morning and we, sorry, everyone, I batched two episodes. <laughs> Um, Organised. Uh, of trying to be. Efficient. And Who's, who comes out first? You do. Oh, I know. <laughs> and she, I asked her what brands had been really cutting through recently and I said to her. What did she say? She's really impressed with Venroy. Yep. But I sort of went in the direction with the conversation of it's so good when a brand that you wouldn't normally think is going to comment on pop culture or is not going to step mm. out of their rigidness, be silly, mm. is silly for a hot second on social media, regardless of the lash that they're going to get or whatever. But it just, mm. that surprise and delight piece, it's so fun when they do, when a brand is silly. Well, it's just realness though. Yeah. Because we're all, shit, we all got to be a bit silly in our own certain way. Yeah. We all let our hair down. Like so many times people just don't show it because they're scared to show it. Mm. Not coming back to where we started this conversation, but that, that I was, I was <laughs> one of those, back. I was one of those people. Like, <laughs> yes. you know, the person that I present now, like I can be calm, collected, I can do these things and, and do it sometimes well, sometimes not so well. But at the end of it, it's still like a big kid inside as much as we all have that little childhood memories, as much as those things that truly lift us up and finding those each day makes it a lot more fun and it doesn't have to be in the big things. How did you become so sure of this direction? For the business or for me as a person? Both. Well, it's intrinsically linked, so it, it all relates. But I think I was sure in the direction because it, it lights me up. Mm. And it comes back to whether it's storytelling, a business builder, or all the things we've spoken about with people, my cup gets filled up seeing other people succeed. Mm-hmm. And so everything I do, the strategy we've spoken about today, the vision for the business, it all revolves around that. Mm. I've been very lucky in my early life to be afforded some incredible opportunities and I'm fully aware of those things. I talk about doing life backwards in so many different ways and that has come through shitloads of hard work to get to that point. I'm not taking that away but I want to share similar things and experiences with everyone around me, everyone that's in my bubble, everyone's in, in my world because I want people to have life success and success is so different. Success is not financially driven. Mm. It, well, it isn't for me. Success comes in those little moments of when you can high-five a team or celebrate as a team and feel the connective energy and the electricity in a room when especially what we do every day, um, it's a fucking privilege to do it. Mm. At the end of the day, we get paid to go draw shit and paint <laughs> shit 
and come up with words that people don't understand. It's literally your imagination. And it's literally imagination it's that you're getting paid for, which is like, <laughs> what a bloody job. I know. You know, I was literally having a conversation with someone yesterday and I was like, you know, you're talking about puppets right now and getting certain <laughs> types of hair on a puppet and that's your job. Yeah. Imagine walking through a corporate office and saying, can I just get a bit of uh, Bailey Smith uh, mullet on this puppet <laughs> ASAP? <laughs> Who gets to do that? We do. And that is using our imagination. What a bloody job. Yeah. But it also needs to be rooted in something that is probably not just all fun, but what is a business structure structure and problem that is going to do it. I think um, everything revolves around making sure that people succeed in life. And I'm very lucky that my wife has had the biggest impact on my life to date in seeing that because I used to be a more selfish, wall-driven person, as we've spoken about today because I couldn't trust and I couldn't yeah. do certain things. And um, I learned the hard way that you have to trust to grow and scale and, and and grow, but coming back to a point of like, why am I doing this? And all the reflections that I've done and mm. sh- share with you today is because I want other people to succeed in life. But I used to be that person that was the complete opposite. Yeah. And so if anything, it shows that you can change enough if you're wanting to change. You don't have to change. Change is fucking scary. But sometimes it's a good thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Depends on how you look at it. It depends on how you measure that success and where you fill your cup up from. Thank you guys so much for joining us for that episode. I, as you can probably hear, I'm pretty under the weather. I was at Fashion Week all week um, and I lost my voice, but I didn't really mention it in the intro because these episodes are not about me, they're about my beautiful guests. If you love this episode, I would adore the opportunity for you to hit subscribe, follow this podcast, or even share it with an entrepreneurial friend that you think would benefit from listening to this conversation. Please follow us on Instagram at, at @processthepodcast, or follow me personally at, at @ariel.thomas or Cinematom or Bullfrog or Dalton. All of the above. It's all in the show notes. I hope that you love it. Please subscribe. We need all the love that we can get, and I uh, will see you next Sunday.